Well, it is Father's Day, but I'm not doing a Father's Day message. And you that are regular attenders and come often, you know that I, I don't break off uh, messages and do topical or do on the day because of the very reason. If I did Father's Day message, a lot of you moms or, or singles or whatever would just go, oh, I can sit this one out, right? I, I don't have to listen or pay attention. Uh, I can check out. Uh, it excludes a lot of people, and so I tend not to do that. It's one of the reasons. Uh, it's not wrong if you do or don't, but it's just my practice in preaching, and we are in the middle of a series. Uh, we've been working through the book of Second Peter. Uh, we had done First Peter a while back, and Peter writes another letter to this church, right? And Peter writes there as a, an apostle and authority, and he's encouraging them. And if you're with us in 1 Peter, 1 Peter talked a lot about um, persevering, right? Persevering through persecution was coming, trials, hard times, how to, to endure that. And he was reminding them to, to, to stay true to the faith. This second letter has a little bit different focus to it. Because you see, these letters are written as an encouragement, but there's also addressing things that are going on at the time, right? Um, I had a chance this week to teach a class out at Camp Jim, and we talked about hermeneutics and exegetical, and uh, Lily, I won't call on you because I promised you I wouldn't embarrass you, and so, um, but Lily was in that class as well. But we, we talked about how important the context is. And that's part of the reason why it's always good to look at what's going on at the time and who the audience is and how things came about. And so Peter's writing this letter because there's a problem in the church at that time. They're, the church is under attack on, on many fronts from the outside world, but there's also some problems that are within the church. In fact, there are false teachers and false prophets among them. And it's pulling people away. And so Peter, today, we would miss this to help ground them. Now, if we jumped into chapter 2 today, we would miss out. If you're new, you'd miss out. But you'd also miss out the importance of what Peter set up. Remember, these letters were written to be read all at once. And so it's hard sometimes when we're preaching on just one chapter or we jump in the middle of a story. But if you remember back in chapter 1, Peter starts off and says, God's divine power has given us my resident theologian is here this morning, so I'm covered, right? Everything? Everything. Not some, not part, but everything. I didn't emphasize that enough when I preached that the first time, and uh, Dave and John were in the car, and we didn't even get very far out of the parking lot, and she corrected me, right? She said, hey, you forgot to emphasize that part, right? We've been given everything. Not a little, not a bit, but everything. Right? By his divine power. And so that's important. We need to, to remember that. We need that reminder, right? We have everything we need. We're not lacking if we're in Christ. So we can't be pulled away. We can't be deceived if we are stuck in that. And we, we focus on God and what he has for us. Now, we have our salvation through Christ, right? We're saved. So then we're done, right? We just ride it out. Oh, come on, someone correct me. No, no, yeah, all right, I got a couple of people. No, right? right? No, certainly not, right? The, the Christian walk is much more than just being saved. It's what do we do after that, right? We tell others, that's part of it, evangelism, but, but also for ourselves, we also need to keep growing, right? Remember the, the, the list that was talked about, that, that, that list, those seven things we talked about in chapter one, right? 
He says he's called us through his his goodness, that we grow through his knowledge. We need to add to it, right? In fact, he used that word over and over again, make every effort, right? Not half do it, not quarter do it, not do it when we feel like it. He says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, affection, control, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Right? And so there's not a level that we get to and we can say, oh, that's it, we're done. It's a continual growth spurt. Right? We have to continually strive to grow. We have to make effort in that. We have to do something. We're, we take part in that of it. Now, God's given us the ability to do that, but we have to put it into practice. And so Peter reminds us that, and he, he kind of lays that down as a foundation. Right, So if we're doing those things, then we're going to be prepared for what's to come. And so Peter is, is, is laying that down. And again, it's the same for our lives. And what happens if we don't do those things? He even tells us there's a, a cause and effect. If we don't add to that and we just, we just rest or we just stay there, he says we become ineffective and unproductive. And we all agree that we don't want to be that, right? We don't want to be blinded by things. We don't want to be unproductive. We want our lives to matter, to mean something as we serve the Lord. Last week, we, we got into a little bit about the, the prophecy of Scripture, right? And we talked about how important that is, right? Part of that knowledge comes from God's Word, right? We have the gift of God's Word. We can go back and look at that, right? We use the illustration. In fact, it's going to apply this week as well. But when they give bank tellers a, looking at $50 bills, they don't give them all the fakes because there are hundreds of fakes. People have tried to copy $50 bills for a long time. But what do they study? They study the original, right? Because if you know the original, then you're going to be able to easily identify the fake. So the same thing for us as believers. If we study God's word and we, we know God's word to be true, we're going to recognize when something's false. We also have the added blessing of having the Holy Spirit, right? If you've ever been listening to something and say, wait a minute, something's not quite right. That doesn't, that doesn't sound right. Something's troubling me. Or I'm, I'm wrestling with it. It's a good time to go back to God's word and say, what does God's word say about it? And, and maybe go into a, do a little bit deeper study. Don't take it at face value, especially from the outside. And again, it comes at us today from all different angles and all different means, right? We, we have the information world, and we have plenty of information. It floods us all the time, but a lot of it has to be filtered. And that's part of our responsibility as believers to filter that. Peter also mentioned, as we were looking at last week, about how we're a temporary here. Linda, you brought that up. I don't know if you intended to or not, but that was part of last week's message about our tent, right? Our, our bodies are failing. They're getting old. Mine snap, crackles, and pops when I get out of the chair now. There's a lot of things that makes a lot of noise, right? Things don't move the way they used to move. I prefer my boat over the kayak. A kayak was a lot of work the other night, paddling around and trying to fish at the same time, but we managed but the importance of Scripture, right? The, the importance of being in relationship with God. And so if you're new here this morning, guess what? You're caught up now. 
We're right where we are. We're, we're going to continue on in chapter 2, but you've, you've, you've already caught up with the rest of us. And so we're going to begin this morning with chapter 2, verse 1. And Lord willing, we're going to get down through 17 verses. We're not going to do all of it, but we're going to do most of it. You'll see the, the recurring theme here as Peter lays this out. Verse 1 says, But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Peter makes this distinction, right? Again, remember, Peter's, uh, all the scripture he has at this time is the Old Testament, right? And so he's referring to, hey, back in your history, they had false prophets, and today you have false teachers, no difference, right? Not much has changed. And I think I've mentioned this before, but not much has changed today. We still have them around us today. And so Peter's making that tie, that connection, question is going to be, what do we do with it, right? That's, that's always the, we got the, the problem in front of us, but how do we handle it? And he tells us in chapter one to set us up for that, but again, what, what, how do we, what do we do with that information? So he says, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, who brought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves, Right? So he says, they're not going to come at you directly. They're going to come at you secretly or uh, around the back door. They're just going to come at you a little bit at a time, right? It's easy to identify something that hits you right in the face, but again, they're going to use even the Lord and distort it. We talked a little bit last week about some false religions, right? That, That they'll recognize Jesus as a good teacher or they'll recognize him as a prophet but they don't recognize him as a Messiah, right? They take part of it, but then distort the truth. They won't recognize him all. They'll say there's somebody else, or he's yet to come. Those are false, right? He came. He's already done that. And a little bit of truth mixed in with a lot of lie becomes believable. That's typically the method or the way that comes about. Satan loves to do that. Don't miss the last part. It says, bringing swift destruction on themselves, right? It's going to fall in on them. They're going to be found out. It's going to come back on them themselves. You'll see really quickly here that it's not up to us to do that work, right? A, it's beyond us, and B, I don't know that we could do it. But it's going to come back on themselves. We shouldn't waste the energy doing that. Verse 2. Again, talking about these false teachers, these false prophets. It says, many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Right? So one of the marks or one of the things you might look for is, is the greed or the acquirer of wealth. Right? They're focused on physical things and not spiritual things. Right? For a fee, you can have what I'm teaching. You can, you know, and, and gaining money from it. And again, greed is an exorbitant amount. Not a normal fee, but an exorbitant amount. Right? And they acquire by quite often a lot of wealth. And they justify it by the way they live. Right? Also mentions here about exploiting you with um, fabricated stories, right? One of the other signs of a false teacher or a false prophet a lot of times is they talk about their experience, 
right? Their experience becomes the authority. In fact, it overrides Scripture. If you hear that, you, you, want, you want your warning bells should go off. Again, not denying anyone's experience, but experience never supersedes Scripture. It's an important truth to remind yourself, and, and again, it's a, it's a good check and balance, right? Again, not denying we do have experiences, and they're meaningful and they're special to us, and they're, they're, they very much speak to our heart, but they don't override Scripture. And again, sometimes these things become the, the main focus, and usually in those stories, a lot of times the focus becomes on them. Not about what God did, but on what happened to me and what God's done in me, right? Becomes me-focused instead of God-focused. Just some things to look for. But then we have this problem of what do we do with that, right? What do we, what do, we do? And again, he ends this sentence with the same thing. Their destruction has not been sleeping, right? God is aware of what's going on. And so he goes through this, this next couple sections of, hey, you don't have to worry about them. God's going to take care of them. You just have to be aware of them. Verse 4, it says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Again, Peter's using the scriptures here, right? He's using the Old Testament. He's reminding them, right? The, we get the demons from the fallen angels, right? God, God didn't spare them when they spoke up against God. God was aware. He, he had a punishment. He took care of them. The time of Noah, there was great, uh, the culture was evil. They were sin abound, right? There was only that seven that were righteous, that God spared, story of the ark, right? Genesis is great for us to go back and be reminded of those stories, but they're all pointing how God's protection, right? Again, it's nothing new to have false teachers around. God is well aware of what's going on. Verse 6, he even condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless? For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. I'm just going to stop right there and take a pause, right? Remember, Lot lived in a culture that was horrible and there was a lot of immorality going on. Yet God spared him, provided a way out. Peter's given us all these examples of people that lived in tough times, yet they persevered in their faith. He took care of them. He's the one that will judge those who are doing evil. Protect not our job. It's not our, our responsibility to do those things. There's protection in that. It sounds like this is a, a, a tough message because there's a lot of evil going on, but yet through that, if you're a believer, you can take security and you take rest that God's got you in this. He's going to carry you through this. He knows. He knows what's going on with you. And he's already told us what to do, right? We just need to add to our faith, add to our knowledge, those seven things. We keep doing that because he's given us everything we need to endure. 
Verse 9 says, even this is so that when the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on that day of judgment, he will take care of it. He will be the judge. Verse 10, this is especially true of those who followed the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Again, you, you can see here, again, some, some more characteristics, right? You, you can see what they tend to or they most likely become, right? The, the, the corrupt desires, right? They, the desires of flesh, they, they live lavishly, they indulge themselves, right? And they despise authority. I always think of that as it's, it, we fool ourselves if we think we're always in control, right? Or we're our own boss, Talk to many men in the workplace, right? I'm the boss, right? And, and, or if you work for yourself, you think you're the boss. But no, you're still a slave to something. You still have someone that you have to answer to. Well, in our Christian walk, it's the same way. We have to answer for our actions, for what we do. And again, if we despise authority or we don't, aren't willing to submit to not only God first, but also to those here on earth, then we have a problem. And these teachers usually elevate themselves to a position where they're on top. And they don't have to answer to anyone anymore. Right? He calls them, and in the verse he goes, bold and arrogant. They're not even afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. Right? Even the angels are smart enough to know their place, right? They, that's really what it's saying if we put that in today's word, right? The, the angels are smart enough to know that, you know, they're, they're limited. They're, they're, there's someone they submit to. He's saying some of these teachers, these false prophets, they don't even know their limits. In fact, I've even heard some of them call themselves God, right? They've declared that upon themselves. Like everything runs through them. You've probably heard them as well. I did a, a quick search this week, and, and I mean quick because it, it got pretty long and extensive, but if you type in false teachers, and I'm not recommending you do that, but the list is long just here in America alone. I mean, there was 50 easily, if not more, of false teachers right? that in some way have twisted truth or have put themselves above. And again, there's all different titles. They kind of change along the way. In fact, PJ brought one up this week that I didn't, hadn't even heard about yet, but progressive Christianity. You say, well, that doesn't sound bad, right? Progressive is, you know, you're, you're moving forward. Well, if you look at it, it's false teaching. It denies sin and obviously promotes yourself. It's very liberal in its teaching. There's not much Christ involved in it at all. That's just one of many. But there are lots out there, and so we have to be careful to be aware of them and to, again, grow in our own walk with the Lord. Back to the Scripture here. It says in verse 12, it says, But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. So again, the reference to animals, and again, the, the thought here is the, the wild beast, right? It, it's just devouring, it's just running out instinct. They're, they're not thinking through things at all. 
They're just acting. Right? Again, sometimes if you listen to a false teacher or someone that's, that's preaching a message, they're not using Scripture at all, right? They're, they're just telling stories. A lot of times it's stories, again, based on their experience. They're just running on instinct. And then back to what we go over again here in these next couple of messages. It says, you don't have to worry because in verse 13 it says, they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, revealing, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. Right? They, again, Peter's saying they're, they're not always outside. They, they're actually within some of the, the churches that he's speaking about. They're, they're right there among them, and they're, they're acting and, and being like you, but yet they're boldened, they're embrazened with their, their sin. It doesn't even bother them, right? Quite often, it's a, another sign of a false teacher is they'll justify their sin. They'll twist Scripture to to make it say what they believe, their position, right? In fact, they won't very seldom even call it sin, right? Living under God's grace. And we actually had that conversation yesterday morning with the, the men. We were talking about that, that, that tension that, that we have, right? We have freedom in Christ, but yet the law, we don't want to go back to the law, but we also don't want to be so free that we just allow sin to reign in our lives, Yes, we did more than just eat bacon yesterday morning. It was actually a really good discussion. Some of you ladies are reassured, I'm sure. Yeah. And he says, again, they will be paid back. Again, here as he's describing, he says, with eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. These are pretty strong language, right? Peter is not mincing words here. If you look at these words, he's, he's calling them out. He's identifying what they are, and he's, he's lowering the boom in many ways. Yet, he's just identifying them. He's not telling people to go after them. Don't go arguing with them. Don't even throw them out, right? He doesn't say any of that in the, the language. It's interesting because Peter, an apostle, certainly would have the authority to do that, but he says, no, just focus on your walk and identify those people and don't get caught up in that. Interesting enough, too, though, he says you know, they, do have, they do do damage. Right? He mentions the unstable here. And again, that, that, that word unstable here means unsettled or not secure. When I looked at it a little bit more on that word, uh, the Greek word on that, and if you dive into that a little bit more, it kind of makes sense in what he was talking about, right? Because when he was talking about in chapter 1, he was talking about you have everything you need, right? And as long as you're growing in your faith, you're going to be secure. You're going to be well-grounded. But these false teachers love to pull people away from that. They pull the unstable, the, the new believer, the, the believer who's not growing. They can lead them away. They can be easily swayed. So there's a, a danger there as a believer. If you're new in Christ and if you're not getting rooted, I was always taught when you led someone to Christ, don't just leave them there. That's like the kind of a cruel thing and worst thing you can do to a, a new believer is just say, oh, you're saved, you're all set, and go on. No, one of the, the things that you need to do is help them get into God's Word, right? 
help them to get grounded, help them to find a good church, a good set of believers, right? Someone that's going to come around and disciple them, help them grow in their faith, protect them. They need some of that protection, especially early on. Sometimes we need it even as we grow, uh, even later on in our life too, right? Because we can get swayed very easily if we're not careful. And so that unstableness during that beginning time is crucial. Verse 15 and 16 here as we kind of head to the, the final turn here for this morning. Again, talking about these false teachers, these false prophets, it says, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam's son, Abezar, who loved the wages of wickedness. You might say, well, man, what's, what's that story talking about, right? Balaam, it's one of my favorites because you know what? There's a talking donkey in the Bible. I just, for some reason, I just, it always makes me laugh and chuckle. Uh, there's also a saying I say, if, if God can use a donkey, he can use me. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good reminder, right? Not to think too highly to keep. But if you know the story, there's the, the prophet here is going to speak against one of God's chosen, and, and God stops him. And you know, the, the donkey is smarter than the, the prophet at that point. And God speaks through this donkey to, to get him to stop. If you don't believe me, it's in Numbers. You can look it up. Numbers, I believe it's chapter 22. You can read the story of Balaam's donkey, the talking donkey. There's more to the story than that. But again, it's that God will protect those who are righteous. Right? He's aware of what's going on. There's judgment on that. And again, they love the wages, right? Balaam made his money from prophesying. He was a prophet for hire. If you look at the, the story, you could, you could pay him to, to prophesy. And again, obviously, if you're paying, then you got to say what the message was. So you, you, you could pay that prophet to, to speak against your enemies. And of course, it wasn't from the Lord. It was from him. And he would adjust the message accordingly. And my God says, no, 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 not against my chosen. He said, it's a great reminder story. And again, Peter's using this to remind them as well. The scripture, this is nothing new, right? People are going to be there to lead you away, to give you false teaching, right? And for the love of money. Verse 16, as he rebuked for this wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice, restrained the prophet's madness. Again, the, the talking donkey, but I love the word even, the madness, the craziness of it, right? It's just crazy in many ways, this prophet, the way he was going about things. I'm going to end with verse 17 this morning, and, and then a, a couple of follow-up thoughts here as we wrap up this morning. Verse 17 says, These people are springs without water, and mists driven by a storm, blackest Darkness is reserved for them. The, the imagery here is, is helpful for us. And again, it's, it's a reminder. It's not something that we should want, really. And the spring without water, right? I don't know about you, but if you go to a spring and there's no water there, it's not much of a spring, right? It's, it's, it's empty. It's hollow. It doesn't quench your thirst, right? 
So he's saying the same thing about these false teachers and these false brothers. They're, they're empty. There's nothing there for you. It's not going to help you in your walk with the Lord. It's destructive. It's not going to, it's not going to help you grow in Christ. I take it as a warning, too, for us that we have to be careful of that, that we don't invest a lot of time, right? Mist driven by a storm, right? Mist doesn't, doesn't quench, right? You, you can't mist your garden, right? It'll burn up. You've you got to put some water on it. It's the same thing with our souls. If we're not investing, again, I think that's why he emphasized that beginning so much about making that effort. If we're not in our word, we're not looking at the scriptures, we're not growing in Christ, then we become empty, those things aren't going to quench that thirst. But yet we don't have to do the battle. And that's the hope here is we don't, we don't have to battle these teachers. We just have to be careful that we don't listen to them. We don't give to the, into them. We don't invest in their ministries or what they're doing. Right? And certainly you can warn people, right? I quite often get asked, hey, what do you think of down teaching, Pastor Charlie? I do get that question. But I'm not going after that ministry and taking it down. I may warn someone because I care about you. I may say, hey, you know what? Be cautious. Watch out there. There's some teaching there that's not going to be helpful for you. Or, hey, let's look at what God's Word says about that. Right? The source of truth. But it's not our battle. We don't have to battle them. God's already got it under control. He's the one that's going to take care of that. And so my encouragement this morning is that you just continue on in that walk that you've started with Christ. Continue on to make every effort to get into your word, to be in that right relationship with God, to continue to grow in Christ. And let's do it together. One another walking hand in hand together as we encourage each other. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word and for the warnings that come through it, Lord. And Lord, that we are aware of those things around us that can cause us harm. Lord, I pray for protection here over those here at Point Way this morning. Lord, that we not be led astray. That we not dabble or we invest in things that are not of you. Lord, I also pray that you just continue to use us, help us to be productive in our walk with you. Help us to reach out to those who are in need, those who are struggling, those who are early on in their walk, Lord, that need that, that help, that discipleship. Lord, use us. Use us here. Lord, I thank you for this time, and Lord, I thank you for the, the fathers that are here this morning. Lord, I pray a special blessing upon them. I pray that you just help them to become the, the godly men that you called them to be. And Lord, as we honor them today, Lord, that this would encourage them to grow deeper in their relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.